You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. And welcome to this episode of the Modern Web Podcast. Today I am with Stephen Fluin. Uh, some of you may remember him from his uh, not too long ago Angular days as part of the Angular core team. Uh, and uh, now he's moved over to Chainlink. So uh, we'll talk about that in just a second. But today I'm so excited because I hope to get more JavaScript developers blockchain curious as we like to say. So welcome, Stephen. Yes, thank you for having me. It's, <laughs> uh, it's good to be chatting again. We, we chatted a lot back in the Angular days. And now that I'm at Chainlink Labs working on Chainlink, it's an uh, exciting uh, journey that I've been on. And I kind of want to, just like you said, help others become curious about the same sort of journey for themselves. Yeah. Well, for all of y'all listening, like I've become blockchain curious and uh, chain link curious and other random curious. Uh, blockchain is not cryptocurrency related, FYI, but uh, just like letting you all know that it's it's quite an interesting place. And if like JavaScript community is boring you and you're just like, dude, what's this? Where's the new stuff happening? Like you literally walk into any like blockchain related discord and like the entire world will kind of like explode on you because I feel like it's such a, I don't know, it's, is it like a, a more vibrant community, a bigger community, Stephen? There's something different about it. It's earlier. So like think Ooh. about the JavaScript or web community that we had like back, I don't know, before the jQuery days. Like imagine what it was like being a web developer before What jQuery. was that, like 1990? I, I don't 2000. even know. The, the, the web existed. <laughs> But the the best developer tools on the planet hadn't quite landed yet. They like they hadn't standardized, they hadn't stabilized, and so yeah. there was a ton of innovation going on, a ton of people trying. But the thing that's different now is there's way more attention on, yeah. on blockchain right now. Like this is a space that lots and lots of people are talking about, lots and lots of people are thinking about, and so you have this huge potential for innovation in front of you, combined with a huge amount of people trying to get into it and trying to be really impactful, which is just a really interesting recipe for innovation and for disruption and change. It was like when, you know, they, they like open sourced react and then it was like, well, react needs a router. Well, you know, what about a CLI? And then all this innovation happened around the react community. And then it was just like, boom. Okay. Now you have an ecosystem. That ecosystem right now is being built and it's ripe. Exactly. I mean, I think the world that we see today in blockchain, uh, we're going to see some of the players around in five, 10 years, but there's going to be 50 new ones that we've never even heard of. Like the, the biggest change makers, the biggest innovators probably aren't even here yet. And that's a yeah. really exciting time because that means that any one of us could be that change that could be the foundation for this, this kind of new world that we're trying to create. Yeah. So if all of y'all are looking up to like the, the Adios Monies, the Paul Irishes, the, the Ryan Florences, the Mishko Heveries, right? The Evan Yu's. Um, and you're like, man, I wish I could be th these people. Like, highly recommend you looking at blockchain stuff. So just clarifying really quickly. And, you know, Steven, you can correct me if I'm wrong because you've been in the space longer than me. But the first thing I did when I, when I started, like, poking around in this was trying to uh, figure out, you know, 
blockchain versus cryptocurrency, right? And what I kind of, I think, I think this is the right thing, and you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but basically blockchain is something completely separate from cryptocurrency. And cryptocurrency is a thing, we shouldn't equate it to stocks, but it's kind of like stock-ish, so not, not stocks, but like it's, it's this thing that's happening over here that's not related to the actual blockchain, but the blockchain, like the way you develop on the blockchain, you have to use some of that currency kind of like uh, Google Cloud credits or something. Okay, I butchered it, so like help me. <laughs> sure, so the way I think about it is that there's definitely both of these things, right? Blockchain is a set of foundational technologies for building consensus, for distributing information uh, across like the, the internet without having to trust uh, individual parties without having to build like trusted systems. Like I don't rely on mm -hmm. one company to, to give me a their version of the truth. I have a, a truth that's established by an entire network. Um, and th there is this connection to cryptocurrencies where to do anything on these blockchains, uh, it's generally tied to the, these uh, currencies that are generally very financially linked. So for example, uh, on Ethereum, you've got this Ethereum thing that you, you can buy, but then Ethereum is also uh, what you use to deploy contracts, to write programs that exist and live and execute on the blockchain. But like Ethereum, the currency is actually completely separate from the Ethereum blockchain, which is actually like a technology and, and a foundation that people are building upon. No, I, I think they, they are a little bit more tightly coupled than that because, for example, mm. you you have to spend Ethereum to put code onto the blockchains because right. fundamentally what's happening is uh, when you write a an application on the Ethereum blockchain, that application is being stored and run on tens of thousands of computers across the globe. Mm -hmm. And there's a cost to that. And so the, the cost that you, the way that you compensate that is that you pay in this currency, Ethereum, uh, and that goes, some of that goes to these miners that are actually creating the blocks and storing it and executing the transactions and all that. Basically, but I, I like to think of it as like, you know, blockchain is basically like you're building, uh, it's almost like instead of having like, you know, um, Google having uh, data centers and stuff like that, you're basically paying for data centers that, you know, any, any developer can kind of like, you know, I, I don't know if it's called, I don't think mining is the right word anymore. I mean, I, I know there is some like mining, but these yeah, no, blocks so, that so developers in theory, for example, are... It is called mining, but you, you're, okay. you've got a, a democratized data center where anyone yeah. can come and be one of the computers in the data center and all of them execute at the same time instead of like each running a different program, they all execute the same program and they all check each other's work. And so there's, yeah. there's a high degree of security there. I think the other thing that really excites me about... Um, I don't know if this is like, you know, blockchain, you think about it, right? It's like, okay, well, why do I care? You know, and people are like, oh, you used it for, I love that word DeFi. I'm like learning all these fun words, decentralized finance um, and everything. But when I was kind of looking at like the, the vision of, I don't know, is it the vision of Chainlink, right? But, or, or just generally like this idea that like, okay, you can actually start enabling companies like finance companies or whatever or like real estate contracts or there's just like so many things you could potentially enable by um creating like external links Ex is that like well i guess apis that connect to the external world so like right now you have this blockchain and then you have like external world 
And I think what we've been struggling with in the past few years is like, okay, there's this blockchain thing. It's super cute, but like, and it can be used with all these things, but it's actually also like not very useful because it's really hard to make those connections externally. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, you, you touched on a couple of things that, that I'll mm -hmm. talk to. Here. So <laughs> the, the first thing is like the, the power of, of DeFi and decentralized finance and why it's kind of so exciting and, and why blockchains generally are, are exciting is because because you have this shared ledger, this this mechanism for like establishing truth among everyone. Um, there's uh, it's actually a very, very reliable, secure system. So the one of the, the stories that I was told was, for example, think about your bank account, right? Like you put money in your bank account, hopefully every month, and then you kind of just trust that the bank is going to have that money for you. But there's lots of cases where like the bank is going to give your money away to someone else. They're going to go loan it. Like the, you don't actually own your money and the bank doesn't even own your money. They've given it to someone else and someone else. And so th there's this perception of how our financial system works that, that isn't real. Like you don't actually own the money in your bank account, right? That the bank owns your money in the bank account and they owe you money. Um, whereas in blockchain, when you have a certain amount of cryptocurrency, you actually hold the keys to that. So th there's nothing that, that the blockchain can do. There's nothing that anyone else can do to do something with that money that you wouldn't agree with. So like we see this in uh, many nations where, for example, if there's corruption in a monetary system, like you could just have money one day and that money be gone the next day. And that, that is not the same type of system that we see in, in blockchains. And so uh, from a financial perspective, it, it's, this blockchain systems work like we think the, the rest of the system actually works. But uh, in the in the real world, we, we have a lot of trust to make sure that that happens, right? Like you're just hoping that your bank doesn't take your, your money and run with it. Um, and then to the, the point you were making, the second point you were making, um, yes, blockchains have had this problem where they are isolated, right? Like if, if you live in the Ethereum land, the only thing that Ethereum applications know about are other Ethereum applications and contra like money and currencies that exist within Ethereum. But that that's actually part of the, the company I'm working for, Chainlink Labs. We're working on this thing called Chainlink, which is a platform for connecting blockchains uh, to the outside world. So for example, um, this is called the Oracle problem, which is that how does a blockchain access external information and uh, take in external inputs uh, in a reliable way? Because if you just say, hey, I'm Tracy, I'm going to run a node and I'm going to put whatever data onto the chain you need is. Then we now have to trust Tracy, which I trust you, but should everyone trust you? <laughs> I mean, if it's talking about trusting me with our money, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, but like the, the idea is what if that account gets compromised? What like what if your account gets compromised or what, what if uh, someone else comes in and who's not trustworthy and then they end up being this this oracle? Um, and so the idea behind Chainlink is that it's moving towards decentralized Oracle networks where just like in blockchain, you have this decentralization that creates consensus and creates uh, like a, a shared vision of truth uh, instead of just trusting in a single party. You can do the exact same thing with an Oracle uh, via an Oracle network. And so that that's the, the type of work that uh, I'm doing at Chainlink Labs is working on that network and making uh, that network easier to use and help people, um, which solves a whole bunch of different use cases from like, hey, I can actually build... Um, smart contracts that interact with the real world. Like you could build a smart contract that, for example, I don't know, turns on your lights via your like home automation system in your house. And have or, you done that? I I have not done that yet. Um, I, it's on my list though. I've, I've been doing all sorts of other <laughs> stuff, uh, really more focused on like getting people, uh, getting people to try stuff 
Yeah. So like I've seen some examples and, um, you know, there is this one example that I was watching where it's like, okay, if you have kids and you want to dispense a hundred dollars a month to them, you know, you can based on X, like, are there any other, like, I mean, you know, you can only find so many examples. I, I'm just wondering if you feel like there's like really good practical examples that like JavaScript developers, when they want to, you know, make POCs can like do right now. Yeah. That, so like, there's a, work. <laughs> there, there's a bunch of things that you can do and I'll, I'll, maybe I'll just talk through a bunch of different use cases. So, um, this, this whole financial world is, is a big one, right? Like what if you could build an insurance product that was reliable globally? Like, cause uh, insurance is not always trustworthy. I mean, a lot of people I think have seen this where like insurance won't pay out because <laughs> they, they're not actually financially solvent because they just assumed everyone wouldn't make claims at the same time. You, you could build a decentralized finance insurance product that doesn't have any human operator at all. It's all exists in the application, exists in the blockchain. So for example, if you're a, a farmer, you could actually build a smart contract that takes in, I don't know, how many days a year does it rain? And if it rains fewer than 40 days in a year, then you the contract pays out. And you could actually base that in a way that no humans can have to like look at the claim and say, no, it, it kind of rained that one day. Like it, it can be based off of a shared truth established by a consensus network. Um, there's a lot of other use cases. One of the, the really fun ones that I find is like NFTs, this, this giant craze for these like non-fungible tokens or like basically I call them like digital pieces of art where you have this piece of art and on the blockchain, you can actually do more than you can with a traditional piece of art. So for example, you could uh, you can change that piece of art based on what's happening in the world. Um, so an example of this would be like, imagine uh, if your baseball trading cards or your basketball trading cards or whatever could level up or change based on the career of the person in the card, right? Like we, we talk about like rookie cards as being valuable in the, the trading like collector space. Um, but what if that rookie card was actually leveling up along with the player as they became like player of the year and they, they like their all the time life stats became like world changing or world record. This is actually a better way to play a, what is that called? Um, the basketball thing every, every year where people Fan fantasy sports. There we go. <laughs> fantasy football. That could be a really great way to do this instead. Yeah, and, and there actually are companies that, that are doing blockchain fantasy sports where like, I, and this, I've actually seen this happen. I, I had a friend who participated in a, a fantasy sports league uh, at their work. And then there, there was some dispute and they didn't actually end up paying anybody out. <laughs> so everyone like bought in. Um, but yeah, so there, there are actually companies that are doing fantasy sports on the blockchain. That's really exciting. And I know like, you know, when I first heard about all this stuff, I was like, whoa. I know JavaScript, I know how to do development in JavaScript. And it wasn't until I started messing around in the system that I realized like how easy it actually is for us as JavaScript developers to develop. And I'd love yeah. you to like, how do you get set up? Like, what do you use? Sure, yeah, so the uh, there's a couple things at play here. So one is that um, because the code is running on tens of thousands of computers across the web, uh, that code has to be really, really efficient. And so the the language uh, that most smart contracts are written in, these decentralized apps, uh, as we call them, are written in is called Solidity. And Solidity is actually just a subset of, it was actually built, the virtual machine was built off of the JavaScript virtual machine. They just ripped out a whole bunch of it, like a bunch of the capabilities, a bunch of the features. And so uh, it's, from a, a programming language standpoint, it's actually very, very simple, right? Like you have 
uh, a single type of object, you have structs, and then you have basically methods with parameters and uh, a couple types of control structures and loops. So like from a programming standpoint, it's really, really simple. The The hardest part is some of this uh, these concepts that like, okay, wait, my code is actually gonna be running on thousands of machines. How do I get it onto the network? How do I see what's happening? How do I debug it? All those sorts of things. So uh, I, for example, like uh, because I got into cryptocurrencies a long time ago, like 2011-ish, I was really, really big into this idea of like, oh, I need a wallet sitting on my desktop or sitting on a piece of hardware in my computer. Um, but that's actually not how most uh, of operations are done now. Now, now you use something like MetaMask, which is just a browser extension, uh, which terrified me at first, but now, now I've kind of come to understand the security model around it. But it's a, a browser extension that will store your cryptocurrencies and then now you, allow you to like provide them to websites uh, as you go. So like there's a really great web-based IDE called Remix. And so like you can write a smart contract in Remix or you can like clone one from someone and then you just hit deploy it and then it, it pops open your browser extension and says, would you like to pay to send this? And you say, yeah, I'd like to pay to send that. And it just kind of goes. And so the, the level of integration is kind of amazing. And uh, one other use case I want to touch on because we were, we were talking about use cases earlier is I am a huge fan of sign in with Google buttons because sign in with Google, like it, I don't know, came out how long ago was it? Like I don't know, 10 years ago? And it gave me a way to authenticate who I am to a system without having to expose like or set up another unit name, another password, another place for my email to be stored, all these sorts of things. And so uh, these decentralized sign-in systems have been super popular. And then like Apple came along and they said, hey, Google doesn't have very good privacy. Why don't we set up our own? Why don't you forward all of your emails through us? And we it'll be more secure that way because then we'll never give your email address, but we'll just theoretically give ourselves access to read all of your emails. <laughs> like there, there's all of these uh, privacy concerns about companies tracking you across the web and things like that. But um, with MetaMask, this, this same tool that you're using to pay to deploy or execute contracts um, or actually interact with, with these dApps, um, you can actually use that on its own as an identity provider. So imagine you're building a website and you want someone to be able to sign in without having to really know anything about them you could use MetaMask and you could use this blockchain technology and say, hey, because blockchain is built on this idea of like private keys and public keys, we already have really good infrastructure for saying, uh, Tracy, who are you? And then you say, I'm this account. And then I can uniquely identify that account and give you access to that account and give it to no one else because you're able to sign and say, this is who I am. That's really interesting. I'm definitely checking out MetaMask soon. And um, yeah, I mean, just like Steven said, right, he was talking a little bit about why uh, programming and solidity is so easy. And I don't know, Steven, I mean, I haven't written my first smart contract yet. But I was like, okay, this actually is really easy. Like, it seems really easy to write a smart contract. And then the deploying, it seemed like I just have to press a button. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it is just pressing a button at the at uh, when you've got it right, but there's there's some things you need to know. So like with a website, you can overwrite those files as many times as you want and your website's gonna keep updating. And so you're always on the latest version. With smart contracts and with the blockchain, everything is immutable. So once you write a smart contract and put it on the blockchain, you can never uh, change that smart contract. And so it, it will be there forever. That program you wrote will be there running effectively. So basically, forever. like code reviews are way more important. Yeah, in it, it, this than <laughs> it, it drives you to a much more uh, waterfall approach. So, like for example, mm -hmm. if you're if you're building some DeFi exchange something like that, 
uh, auditing ends up becoming essential to making sure your contract is secure, does what you think it's going to do, make sure you're that is a little scary. Yeah, it, it is a little scary. Um, and I mean, like if you are building a big financial product, uh, there have been hacks. And so making sure you're following like security best practices and thinking about the ways that malicious folks can attack your application up front uh, is essential. Ooh. And um, I remember like a few weeks ago seeing like people freak out about a chain link bootcamp y'all did. But I think it was like smart contract development, right? It's like, was it getting started with this stuff or what was it? Yeah, yeah, it was exactly. It was our, our smart, smart contract developer bootcamp. And we had like uh, way more people than we could support sign up. We had like 5,000 signups or something like that. And because there, there is so much there, this, I love your, your term of blockchain curious. There are a lot of developers out there, right? There's tens of millions of developers in the world um, and very, very few of them are doing blockchain. And yet it's such a, a hot space to get into like there, there's so much interest and so like pe people that participate in hackathons for example they almost all of them get jobs like within weeks because there, there's so much demand for the the work this type of work okay honestly that kind of scares me because i'm like it just reminds me of like this uh you know it's like oh my god we're building javascript applications we need a bunch of react developers okay, you, junior developer, you've been here for three months, you're an architect. Like, and then building like finance applications, like, oh my gosh, scary. Yeah, no, I mean, and I, I think <laughs> th there's, there's obviously uh, more demand for experienced people with seniority and understanding of security and things like that. Like the, the security teams uh, exist within this industry for a really good reason and they keep getting stronger and stronger. So I, I think uh, it is not as scary as that, but it, it does have a lot of echoes of that. Like I need an X developer because I need an X developer. But I, I think that that's just a sign of the early growth. And it's something that the industry is gonna mature out of uh, as we go here. Yeah, I love that. So, um, okay, so like if, if a JavaScript developer is starting, like, is the best idea to sign up for one of these boot camps? Are there other resources out there? I know there's tons of YouTube videos, obviously. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, a boot camp is a great way to sign up. A hackathon is also a great way to, to, to get started. Um, any any way that you can get supported uh, by a team that's going to be answering questions, you're going to be learning with other people, I think people are going to be more successful. Because right now, today, there, there's 100 websites you could go on to learn um, to do blockchain. So for example, uh, one of the very popular ones is uh, Crypto Zombies, for example. So if you've heard of Flexbox Froggy, um, this is a, a similar attempt to, to teach uh, blockchain development with Solidity. Crypto Zombies. Is it Crypto written Zombies. by, a, I think, Dave Geddes? Was it Dave Geddes that wrote that? Um, I don't remember who wrote Crypto Zombies. Or not, not Crypto Zombies, but like the, the frog one that you're talking about. Oh, Flexbox Froggy? Uh, no, it, it's definitely not by the same person. Um, okay, because <laughs> that would be awesome. Concept. Okay, that that would be very cool. So, like, when you say like I'm writing for the blockchain, like you're really saying like, okay, I'm writing for the web. And so, when you're looking for like a boot camp or a hackathon to start in, why do they call it like? I guess it's like a web boot camp, but it's it's like why not Solidity? Like, why isn't the language? kind of front and center. I mean, I know there's other things. It's not, what, what is the one for Python that's a little bit more, or more Python-like than Solidity, the uh, language? 
there's there, there's a bunch. So I, I would say Solidity is the number one. So mm-hmm. it runs on Ethereum and all of the Ethereum compatible chains. Because like there, there's been mm-hmm. fork after fork after fork of the Ethereum virtual machine. Mm-hmm. And so a contract you write for one of those those chains is going to be work on any of the others. But um, there are more and more chains that are not uh, Solidity based. So uh, Solana is a big one where there you're going to be running Rust or C++. Mm, got it. Um, so if you yeah, know Rust or C++, you're good. If like you know Rust set. or C++, you could absolutely get into Solidity if it has the properties you want. Hmm. Um, one of the, the challenges is that this industry, uh, it is not a, a stable target for a developer to go after, right? Because there's so much innovation going on, because there are so many players trying to uh, build cool stuff in this space, uh, the chains that you're on today might be different from the chains you're on two years from now. And so thinking forward is, is relatively difficult because you need to figure out um, what chains do I need to develop my skill set around and what chains should I uh, be thinking about in the future? So, for example, if, if you know Rust and uh, uh, C++, Solana might be great for you, but maybe Solana doesn't have the properties that like Ethereum has in terms of number of, of nodes or something like that. Do you think there's going to be like a, like, is this like uh, the browser wars? Like, is it going to be Firefox or Internet Explorer or... Like, is it a little bit like that? And, and you know, there will be a winner. I feel like the winner is Ethereum right now, if I had to guess. Uh, they're all very, very different. So, like, for example, Ethereum is really exciting because they, uh, they're the biggest in terms of uh, market cap, except for, I mean, for example, Bitcoin. So if Bitcoin ever puts uh, a smart contract platform out, um, they might just by default be the biggest because they, they've got uh, so many people have Bitcoins. Uh, but every chain has different properties. So, for example, there are even these like L2 chains, like uh, Arbitrum, for example, where it's it's the same system as Ethereum. It's, it's still run on the EVM, but it's a, an L2 chain where transactions are cheaper. And then Arbitrum actually rolls those transactions up onto the L1 chain. So you do all your work on Arbitrum, and then it's available to everyone across all of Ethereum. That's a lot to. Uh, that's a lot to unpack. One of my favorite phrases. <laughs> there, there is there is a lot to unpack, and that, that's mm-hmm. one of my biggest hopes is that uh, as this industry gets more complicated, I, I hope that we are able to help developers uh, find meaning, see through see through hype and vaporware, and figure out and make good decisions that uh, align with the the things that they're trying to build and the value they're trying to create. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Definitely. I mean, I think for those of you listening, you heard Solidity and you heard, uh, oh my God, what was the ID again? It's called uh, Remix. Remix, right. Remix is the ID that you should check out. It actually is quite easy. Like if you go and, you know, you watch like a 30 minute video on how to develop your smart contract, I think you'd be very surprised like how ergonomic it feels, right? To just like look at the syntax and it's not scary. Tracy, I, I could have you have your first smart contract deployed in five minutes. Seriously, that's what I was thinking. I was like, dude, literally, are you joking me that this is so easy? You know, when I first saw it, and I was like, why haven't I already done this? <laughs> yeah, um, and and you 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 said something interesting. You said it was it's like web development, and what's interesting is it's almost more like building a server, right? Like these these applications you're building, they they exist in a theoretical space. So you're you're kind of building an API. And then you can still use your traditional web skills to build an interface on top of that uh, API. So like uh, you, if you're building, for example, uh, there was a, like a, a random 
pizza generator. So someone built a React application that would randomly pick, uh, that would use the blockchain to generate a random pizza and order it for you. Um, but then you you would pay for it. You would do, uh, you would see what you got. You would like confirm the order all via a web interface that was just instead of act, interacting with some centralized backend, it was interacting with the entire blockchain. I could see that for like, you know, these uh, you know, mu musicians, let's say, right? Like every time your song is played, you get one penny or something, versus like having to rely on all these different, uh, you know, these different systems and this and that and whatever. And you know, is Spotify paying you the right amount of money? Is the music label paying you the right amount of money? How many people actually came to the concert? They said there was 20,000 tickets sold, but there was actually 30,000 uh, people there. Um, I think the verification I've always wondered, like there's also, you know, even though it's like more secure in a sense, right? Because it's, it's eliminating people, there still is some potential gaming. Like for example, if I was a musician and it's like, okay, every time my name is mentioned on the internet, I get a dollar. You can bet yourself that I'm writing some sort of like script and bought to make sure that I'm getting like an extra, you know, 10, 15, $20 million. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and there's this whole concept of uh, crypto economic security, which is like a, a big long topic that, that I'm not definitely not an expert in, but the, a lot of the idea is that um, the, the way that costs and incentives are structured with dApps and the, the blockchain in general, generally try and are built explicitly to prevent manipulation. So for example, um, there, there's this concept of staking where you'll put up some cryptocurrency to guarantee a system. And how that kind of works ultimately is that the idea is that the, the system should be guaranteed by a, a greater amount of money than that you'd sacrifice than uh, you could get if you stole the money, for example. So if you defected in kind of like prisoner's dilemma style. I'm playing around with a theta right now, or at least in that space. And it's like, you know, you spin up a, I'm going to get all the words wrong, but I think it's like, I spun up a node. Maybe that's what it's called. <laughs> Too many words. But anyways, I'm like staking, you know, this T fuel stuff, but it's like not that much money, you know, it's like, it's really just not. Um, so, I mean, you know, if I wanted to, you know, I mean, could I benefit by like putting something in there and, you know, making $50,000 when like I only had to stake a thousand or something? I don't know. Like, yeah, is no, that, so, like, is that inherently true? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's generally, it's, it's supposed to be the, the amount staked or the amount at risk should be greater than the amount you could ever get by hacking or defecting. And, and things even get more complicated because the the defections it, like are hard they, they they actually get hard if you build the systems right because um as as we talked about you've got 10,000 computers running the same transaction if you were to try to lie you would very quickly be discovered right and then you're going to be kicked off the network and so lying once does not well like no one trusts a single confirmation of a, a large financial transaction and yeah. So you would have to be picked by the network, like the, the one in 10,000 chance, uh, I don't know, a bunch of times in a row and lie every time and no one like raise a flag, which it just probabilistically is very, very unlikely. And so 
this is this concept of a 51% attack. Like if you can control 51% of the network, then it's probabilistically easier for you to solve a bunch of the problems in a row, mine a bunch of the blocks and like only do things that you agree with. Um, but like no, nobody has that sort of control. And the bigger the network is you like to control Ethereum, you would need theoretically 51% of the market cap in order to, to do that. And like that market cap keeps going up and up and up. <laughs> So, okay, we talked about, you know, maybe like searching on the internet for like boot camps and hackathons. Um, there's a Chainlink Discord as well, um, yeah. which I found incredibly active. There's like a developer's channel for that. There's a boot camp channel for that. Yeah, absolutely. And then, I mean, I would say just uh, don't forget the, the social pieces where like mm -hmm. you, you can go and learn and you can go build the coolest app ever, like without anyone ever knowing about it. You can have a completely anonymous identity. You don't have to talk to another developer or join a boot camp or a hackathon or anything like that. But a lot of us find that if we can do it with others and be connected and, and, and keep the, the kind of human side of engineering with us, we're going to be far more successful. We're going to be far more motivated. And that, that's why I often push people to things like uh, hackathons, boot camps, Discord, those sorts of things. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten bored with Twitter lately. So I've been hanging out in like the chain link, uh, in the chain link Discord. Discord is like my new social life. So I might actually started this thought discord now that I'm like so into it but there's a I know maybe happening coming soon but um there's like a chain link so there's a chain link discord that I've been poking my head in and then uh one of my friends got me into like theta so there's this like theta discord and I'm like man who are all these like random new people that I have like no idea who these people are like I'm totally into it because you know I think uh, Twitter has become like a little bit of an echo chamber for me. Um, yeah, okay, so hang out on those. Uh, and, you know, again, blockchain is not just about like this cryptocurrency stuff, whatever. So you don't have to like buy it or whatever to do development. I guess you need to like spend a little bit of the money, but it's not a lot. It's like a small amount of money to be able to deploy your app. At least in the Ethereum realm, there's uh, what's called test nets. So there's like copies of the network that are explicitly designed for testing and development. And so like I, I've deployed several hundred contracts at this point to test nets without spending a single dime of, of US dollars, right? Like yeah. it's, you just, you go ask, uh, you find a faucet and you say, can I have a little bit of money? And they're like, here you go, here's some money. And then you use that currency to uh, pay to, to run trends. It's like monopoly money instead. And then also when you're, um, when you're developing, can't you just like, isn't there like a local copy of the blockchain or something that you can like download and deploy and mess with instead of having so, to deploy it? So blockchains are relatively hard to run. So like running a, a Bitcoin node is very easy, right? Like the, the, the system requirements are very, very low because you're only processing Bitcoin transactions. But because the block, uh, like Ethereum, you can run these full applications where you're storing data and transferring data, things like that. Um, it's it's actually, you need a very beefy computer to run the Ethereum blockchain locally, but there are a bunch of tools out there that kind of emulate it. So there's like the hard hat CLI, um, which is one that uh, can emulate the Ethereum blockchain. Um, so like you, you can deploy your contract to your a local fake blockchain um, and it can even have access to the data from the real blockchain, uh, but it only affects your, your local little environment. Um, and then there's, there's another one called Ganache, which is uh, another of these like fake blockchains that just runs locally. I love the names, yeah, and a lot of uh, a lot of excitement around this. So, are are like, 
you know, is the blockchain community slash, I guess, uh, these companies, are they like trying to recruit JavaScript developers right now? I, absolutely. I, I don't know of a single blockchain technology that's not trying to hire. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. That's really good. And how are the conferences compared to JavaScript conferences? Have you been? I, we just put one on. So we, we just put on the Smart Contract Summit like two weeks ago or beginning of August. Um, and that it was a lot of fun. So Smart Contract Summit was a, a three day event. And then I got to run uh, day two, which had a full day developer track. So really like in my head, uh, it was the, the sort of conferences I'm used to within JavaScript land where it's like purely focused on the tools and the technology that we use to build with. Um, and so it was like, hey, here's an IDE that people use, and here's an API backend, like here, so you can get access to the network with Alchemy. And like, uh, we tried to get like some of the the authors from the language uh, that weren't able to make it last minute. So like, really, really just focused on technology. So I, I'm trying to help create some of these developer conferences focused on blockchain. It's a little bit hard though because uh, every every blockchain technology out there is getting two types of attention. It's getting attention from developers, uh, which is where I spend a lot of my time, but it's also getting attention from like investors and enthusiasts and people that are, are like all the, really all the excited wild. about the, the currencies side. Yeah. Of it. It's funny because like in JavaScript, like, you know, it's like, oh, you, you have like developers who are like super excited about this, but then it, it, it sounds like for these other conferences, it's like you have like developers who are there and then you have like the rest of the world that's just there to cheerlead on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like like Bitcoin Miami was, I heard something like 12,000 people attended. And like Bitcoin in general is not a development platform. There there are people doing development on, on Bitcoin, but I, I would say that it's less than 100 people. And so the, the other 12,000 were there just because they're excited about Bitcoin. Bitcoin, that's so funny. That's really fun, yeah. Well, cool. I'm looking forward to some of the conferences. Are you posting the conferences anywhere? Is it on smartcontract.com or? Uh, so we, we post uh, anything that we're involved in on the, the Chainlink Twitter. Um, and then you can also okay. chain, chain.link. Um, and we, we talk about a lot of the events that we're doing and things like that there. So is it twitter.com slash Chainlink? Yes. Okay. <laughs> twitter.com. Uh, Twitter.com slash Chainlink is the, the official channel for Chainlink. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah, well, hopefully this excites you all to, you know, just get started. This was fun because, like, I'm, like, trying to explain something for the first time. And you're like, well, hold up, hold up. Let me help uh, get better words into it. No, and, and I mean, I'll say I, I'm still on my journey because there's yeah. hundreds of technologies that I haven't even touched in the blockchain space. And there's new innovators every day. So it's, it's, crazy. it's very exciting vibrant space to, to be a part of. Yeah, like if you feel like you had JavaScript fatigue, I feel like blockchain fatigue, like has have they even called it that yet? No, I, I've never heard that term before. I, I think, I feel like blockchain we're a few years away from fatigue. Uh, blockchain fatigue. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you're talking about these like hundreds of whatever. I feel like I can, you know, somehow on some level keep up with the JavaScript world. But I, I know I, I'm not, you know, it's like, okay, I'm keeping up with like maybe like, 80% of it and 20% I'm just not dealing with, right? But with this, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm keeping up with like 1% of it and there's so much. How, how many years was it between jQuery and JavaScript fatigue? Was it, was it 10 years? 
Was it? Okay, so we're 10 years away from So, so maybe uh, we're, we're five, 10 years fatigue. away from any sort of blockchain fatigue. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And um, Stephen, you, are you, like, where do we find you on the internet? Are you on Twitter yeah. anymore? Yes, I, I am still on Twitter. I What I do on Twitter is I only pay attention to uh, value add. So I say, like, is this information useful? And what am I going to do with this information? And I try and put tweets together that are uh, either heartwarming or useful. <laughs> That's a good way to approach it. I love it. So if you want to get out of the JavaScript drama and go into only heartwarming, heartfelt, useful tweets and blockchain, <laughs> definitely follow Stephen on Twitter. It's at Stephen Fulluin, correct? It is uh, at okay. S-T-E-P-H-E-N-F-L-U-I-N. Cool. And again, there's so much to happen here, but I think, again, the things I've learned is Ethereum is the place to be because it's the biggest place for developers. Maybe that's a false statement, but that's kind of my, that's like saying React is the best framework in the world, right? Like the, 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 skill, the skills you develop working on Ethereum are going to transfer very well to a lot of other cool technologies in space. <laughs> you say it much better than me. Yes. So, you know, definitely check that out. Check out Solidity. Um, check out... Um, uh, Remix as an IDE. Uh, check out Chainlink for like all the things related to smart contracts. Your documentation, by the way, is amazing too. So their docs, y'all, like definitely check those out too. Thank you. Um, and you have like a list of APIs you can mess around with, right? Somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So so Chainlink has a whole bunch of uh, things that you can do, like pull in like data sources you can reach out to like open-ended any api that you want to hit in the back end you can get like uh provably uh, random numbers you can get access to like uh smart contract automation all, all that is on the chain link docs that's awesome this reminds me of like back in like 2008 or so when it was like there's this magical thing people called apis and it's going to help you build your apps really well it's like basically reminds me of those conversations <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, cool. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone, for listening to uh, the Modern Web Podcast. If you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at Lady Leet. And uh, we'll see you for the next episode. Come on. Come on, everybody. This podcast is sponsored by This.Labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co slash labs. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot co slash labs for all of your friends and you